Hey, go on, guys. Welcome back to the Great Game Debate Podcast After Dark. Today, we've got our usuals. We've got Kai. We've got Tristan. And we got a special guest from the Great Game Debate Discord and the Brothers Pearson. We got Zach Pearson. How you going, mate? Good. How's it going, y'all? Glad to be here. Time to get a little spicy. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> well, let's not uh, wait any longer to get into that spice. Once again, we've got a healthy, fresh, spicy debate. We're looking at the goaties of 2002. Uh, we went through the rules last time, but if you if you don't remember, we've got uh, two minutes of, of intro, uh, four, four minutes or two minutes of rebuttal. We can't actually remember, so we're going to wing it. <laughs> and then uh, two minute intros again, rebuttal, and then finally closing statements from each individual person. So without further ado, we've got Zach opening with his 2002 goatee. Take it away, Zach. Well, with 2002, it was a hard year. It's a lot of good games, but at the top, it's got to be Ratchet and Clank. It's a game that came up from Insomniac and just filled that itch that Spyro had like made for us. Just the ability to explore all these different areas, to see all these different little characters that all had their quirks. And then it had a ton of ridiculous weapons. I mean, you got to run around with a gun that turned everything into chickens. And if you've ever watched my brother, me and my brother streaming with you Tuesdays, we love to turn shit into chickens in Divinity. And it's just, it's just as fun no matter where you do it. And you can blow shit up with different weapons. You run around getting through all these different puzzles. I mean, when you get to walk upside down with the magnetic boots, that just was such a great experience because it opened up a whole new level of possibilities on a lot of the levels that you didn't even think about before. It brought in a lot of different ideas, like being able to grind, which, I mean, Sonic kind of took from it, but it was still awesome. And a bunch of racing as well that you didn't expect to be in there. It's also just got a phenomenal story. I mean, if you want to talk about betrayal, what's better than Shepard betraying Ghost and Cod is going to be when uh, is it Glork betrays you and like throws you down to the pit to fight a giant ogre monster. Jesus. Yeah, that was that was a very rough scene, but it was fun. Yeah, so I remember everyone crying like uh like they did with Cod. Yeah. <laughs> you got anything else? Or are you going to see the rest of your time? See the rest of my time there. Ah, beautiful. All right, that was a lovely intro. Let's get it, Tristan. What do you got for us? Two thousand two. Yeah, so 2002 was a pretty cool year. Uh, we'll say, looking through all the games, there was a few that stood out, and uh, Splinter Cell is the one that stood out the most to me. Um, I, I remember playing this game and getting it on PC specifically and just being absolutely blown away with how it, at first, just looked. Like, uh, like it, it was like an unbelievable leap in technology at that point, like using Unreal Engine and, and like really integrating the use of lighting and shadows. Um, not only as a visual standpoint, like like an outstanding standpoint where you're like, how do they even do this? But integrating that specifically into the gameplay itself. Um, it's a game where like, uh, it was it was being touted with the phrase uh, stealth action redefined, which is definitely coming off of uh, things like, you know, Metal Gear Solid 1, which came out a couple years before that. Uh, and, and definitely like tying that as like, you know, the kind of like top tier stealth action game and integrating like what Thief did as well with the shadows and kind of like just creating this uh, perfect fusion of 
where like you could play it uh completely non-lethal 100 percent. you could go through most like the entire game just like you know getting past people maybe knocking them out maybe just sneaking by them uh but also like like did still allow you to engage in the action of it as well i really like kind of like gave you the tools to like almost play how you wanted but but really like kind of forced you to and especially like i would say through the tutorial section really taught you its mechanics well and are like hey you have to be careful about sound you have like sound measurements that like uh, like which uh, works really well into the ui as well same as like the light and the darkness where it's like if you're in pitch blackness like you are stealth you are invisible uh but to, to the opposite of that it's like any light source causes you so much stress like you have you have such tense tense moments in this game um and yeah so like op opening wise i just want to say like the the gameplay of it uh mixed with uh the graphics kind of used together to make it beautiful you you, you pretty much ran straight to two minutes that's perfect <laughs> All right, uh, I'm just going to bring up my notes so that I can just slander you guys a little bit. <laughs> Have you got anything off the dome, Kai? No, I'll let you go first. All right, so I watched a few retros on uh, on, on both of these games, um, and I haven't played either. But like, so um, first of all, with uh, Splinter Cell, it was really interesting that they chose to make your guns. Um, inaccurate even outside of combat so that you would waste ammo just to try to shoot out a light that you know feels like you know as, as an agent you should be able to do that you had to like use the scope of your rifle to be able to like actually pinpoint like shoot stuff so like it definitely feels like um you know it, it it was made as a MGS2 killer. Like, it was... Like they actually shifted production to, like, become, like, this MGS2 killer and stuff um, for that game. And so I, it definitely has holdovers from, like, MGS1 with the uh, sort of, like, inaccuracy and stuff. But it's definitely, like, it's a weird, weird choice. Um, I guess, like, one of the things like that, that came up with in the review that I was watching was that it... Um, it's a bit of a blueprint of like what was to come, but it, it, so it had core mechanics, but it didn't like, if you play the first level, you kind of played the whole game uh, kind of thing. Um, it doesn't like expound upon it, 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 its ideas like that much. Um, you, you were kind of doing the same thing in each room, you know, you're shooting out lights and you're taking out guys or you're avoiding guys. Like um, it, it, um, was definitely that, and that like again, it probably comes from that shift of focus from like they're like, oh, we need like MGS two just came out the, the the year before, and we we need something that on the PC that's going to kill this game, like that's going to be like the thing that people talk about when they talk about stealth. Um, and yeah, like the only other thing, and, and obviously it's more uh, a, a fact of its time is like um, the environments were quite boring, but it's just like. It's more time than than anything else. Kai, do you have anything to say about Ratchet and Clank? Oh, um, unfortunately, not a whole lot uh, for me. As it was a really great story, but it was never one that fully captured my attention. Like, say, Spyro or something along those lines. The uh, gameplay mechanics for me always felt really, really clunky and like I was always having to double check or triple check what I'm doing just to do the right thing. So 
other than that, not really a whole lot on my end. Well, I'll, well I, as a debater, I'll never say that any of these games are good, but I, it is very hard to find fault with them. <laughs> <laughs> um, the hoverboard racing, and this is a PS2 platformer issue. It just was across all of their games. All the mini games, for some reason, in PlayStation 2 games are way too difficult. Like, they, they don't have difficulty scaling. And so, like, you would fail that a lot, the hoverboard races, I felt. Like, it wasn't like, oh, you would do it in one. Like, um, I'm pretty sure that so just I, means I, we got to get good. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know good. why. I don't know how <laughs> you're failing so much. <laughs> um, I find the clank sections pretty boring, personally. Like, it's, it's a very basic you know, puzzling um, with some, like, I actually, I, I've only played the, the remake, so I'm, I'm talking out my ass when I say, like, you know, there's there were escape sequences, so I don't know if they were in the original game or well, not. Um, not only that, I mean, the games felt kind of empty. I guess I was part of my boredom, like, with Ratchet and Clank. It's just, it felt like, it felt empty. The controls were just like, okay, I got to figure this out constantly. But it was empty. It was like, yeah, I'm going around, but I'm going from point A to point B. It's kind of open map, but, like, there's nothing to quick, do. Quick, quick. So and and the Omni wrench is bad. The Omni wrench is bad. That's our time. You say that? <laughs> Smack shit with it. <laughs> it's That's all you can do. Compared to the guns, it's boring. Sorry, we're using extra time now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Kai. Well, now, now you guys have got the proper amount of salt. You you, you can you can rally up and and, and get get ready to, to hit us. So, Kai, what do you got for two thousand and two, Goaty? For this one was also a really big like tough one for me. Uh, in my research for kind of seeing what came out this uh, during this year, I realized that there was a shit ton of Powerpuff Girl games out there. Not just like <laughs> one or two, but there's like actually a handful, and I was like super blown away by that information. Um, but my 2002 goatee is going to be Final Fantasy XI. Uh, it was their first MMO. It was my first MMO. It was actually one of my second to last MMOs because it destroyed MMOs for me. But it's because of how well done it was. It was super easy to just play with all your friends, not in the same room, which at the time was like almost unheard of. Um, the battling was real time, which was a lot of fun. I just enjoyed like you having to constantly be aware of your surroundings. I love traveling across the maps. Um, the expansions for the game were also very phenomenal. They were beautiful. Um, and yeah, it was just all around, it was a really good thing for them to do, which ultimately allowed them to bring us Final Fantasy XIV. You gonna save the rest of your time or you yeah. got anything more? All right, no worries. Uh, and then finally myself, start my timer uh 2002 uh is yeah weirdly it's an insane year that that not many people talk about it has so many absolute banger games and there's like a lot that what that we didn't mention especially like for me like kingdom hearts like i came to that heaps later but i love that first game it's so so good and bad at the same time <laughs> um but my actual game of the year for 2002 is metro prime which is in it's in like my top four which my top four has like more than four games but you know um <laughs> so i 
I don't know where I, I I think I have a it was it was a place called Game Fresh because there was a sticker on it that said Game Fresh um, that I bought uh, Metro Prime and I had not really heard about it. It was one of the first like game cases that I'd seen that sort of had like a Metacritic score like sticker on the case, which was really weird too. Um, but like yeah, I, I just popped that in. I didn't I, I wasn't into Super Metroid or anything like that before that. Um, it was just like. And on a on a whim game, but my god, like I would say, Metroidvanias are my favorite uh, sort of game genre, like to this day. And it all started with that, even though I started backwards, going from three D back to two D. But um, you know, there's not been many um, straight up Metroidvanias that can even compete with it to this day. Like Arkham Asylum did a really good job, but I still find all the secrets and, and like the how the levels are put together so much. Uh, more uh, entertaining and and cool, like in in Metro Prime, has really cool gunplay. I as I said, like secrets are just awesome. I love scanning stuff um, and finding out like you know the weaknesses, the bosses. Um, I personally am terrible at shooter games, so I love having a lock on in a shooter game. So yeah, call me a scrub or whatever, but that's I really really love that. But the fact that it does go from first person to third person as well, um, and that's my time. All right, lads, I'll set a four-minute timer, and you're ready to tear us apart? <laughs> you want it first, Tristan, or you want me to do it? If you have any spicy takes, go for it. I got a couple, I think, on both of these. Um, okay. I'll start off with Final Fantasy XI. Okay, I tried this game. I got, like, maybe 20 minutes in and couldn't figure out a damn menu. So I put it down, but I do know for a few facts about this game. You said that it was really pretty to traverse. Yeah, it takes you an hour to traverse to another city by foot in that game. So you're spending a long time looking at that background there. And that's until you get a chocobar or something to quicken you up. But then if you die while you're traveling, you're probably sent all the way back to the beginning where you were before. So you've got a whole nother hour to travel again. Talking about long times also, this is the game with the longest boss battles in the history of video games. There were two. I can't remember the names of the, the bosses, but both times, big-ass guilds tried to fight these and were playing against them for over 18 hours where they were puking and fainting. You're talking about a game that's messing people up and they're doing this for like a little bit of loot? No, no, that's just, that's too much. That's just out of this world ridiculous. Jesus. All right, and I'll get to, I'll get over to Metroid Prime in a minute. I want to see if Tristan's got any takes over here on Final sure, Fantasy. Yeah, yo, I'll, I'll go off on Final Fantasy XI. Uh, like, that's a game where if you wanted to play it, like, pretty much good luck. Like, when it <laughs> released. It's like, you needed to get, like, a hard drive attachment. You needed to get the Ethernet attachment. And, like, again, it had, like, such garbage communication tools that, like, like you said, with those insane boss battles, we're like, you're not doing that over PS2, which it initially came out for. It's like, you're you're going on, like, probably forums and trying to communicate in, like, completely alternative ways. Like, just, uh, yeah, and it, like, it, was, it was an absolute ridiculous grind of a game, which I think other MMOs did an extremely better job at doing, especially, like, linking players together and, like, you know, teaming up and, like, really getting that, you know, massively multiplayer experience which uh it should be streamlined for and it did leave the groundwork for final fantasy 14 but also points out the fact it's not final fantasy 14 so 
Well, as far as your Metroid Prime that you so dearly love, I'll say it again. You got to get good because you use an auto aim. What the hell, Steven? It's aiming for you. How is that a challenge? I mean, it's also like trying to hodgepodge a bunch of games that have come out before it. I mean, you got kind of a Doom perspective when you're running around. You have a Halo HUD because you're like looking through the HUD at stuff and if you get hit by a grenade, it's going to go all staticky on you. So they took that and Halo came out the year before. And then when you go into a ball form, which makes no goddamn sense whatsoever that you're a tall, like six foot two woman going into a ball like this big to go through a little hole. Like it's basically copying Sonic is what it's doing. So that's just silly. Also, you don't even actually have to do anything in that game to see Samus's face. One of the most iconic things about the Metroid games is the fact that you have to, I think, beat that game like perfectly. I haven't played the original, but I know for a fact there's like a certain way you have to beat it to even find out that Samus is a woman. Yet you probably have a bunch of new people coming into Metroid Prime and all they got to do is just get through it and she takes her helmet off for her. Cheap. That's just cheap. Oh, it's too easy. All you got to do is the whole game is hitting you know, right trigger and, st- and and smashing A the entire game. Backtracking, I don't think, was done very well as a 3D environment. I think 2D-wise was a lot more interesting. I'll give you extra um, time. Go, go, go. <laughs> Keep going. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just, I, I just don't think it's a it's a very good game. Like, most of it is just standing and smashing A and B and getting to the end. And like, okay, boss fight's uninteresting. That's it. <laughs> Alright, it was fun. Um, so closing statements, let's uh let's bring it home. Why why is Ratchet and Clank the 2002 goatee, Zach? For how much like wonder it had in it, it was let's see, 2002, I was ten, turning eleven, and just it was a world full of wonder. I had a blast just exploring it. I had my friends over, we'd be going around just blowing shit up and then we find a new weapon and it was just super exciting to find out what this did and also like uh spyro 3 was probably one of my favorite ps1 games and just to kind of get that a little bit of that feeling again just really solidified that as probably my favorite game coming out from that year also doesn't hurt that there's a new one coming around the corner and i'm super stoked for that it's already downloaded (laughs) nice beautiful all right tristan uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go off on, on kind of uh, counteracting your points about it. I feel like the uh, pur- purposeness of, like, not having perfect aim kind of worked really well. Like, it made it a risk every time that you took a shot. Like, you had to be super careful, and I feel like the UI, even in that, like, plays into that uh, experience. So, I, like, I think just the entire game, like, really evolved from, like, taking technology and, like, integrating it into the gameplay and making it, like, uh, j- just like very cohesive in general, uh, and yeah, like you definitely do end up getting almost halfway through the game uh, your second weapon, which like kind of really opens up different options of how to play it. Uh, you have like a ton of different cool gadgets that you uh, that you use it. Like you have like sticky cameras that you can shoot up and like track people. Like there's so many. It just gives you all the tools that you could like ever want in this like cool like spy espionage stealth game to be like yeah, play it how you want. Like, you can just, like, you know, lockpick things and stick cameras under the door and track everybody. Uh, I also do think, like, it being tied to Tom Clancy, like, I I won't necessarily say I think he's a 
you know, he's a, he's a prolific writer, but a lot of his stuff is not that interesting. Uh, but I do think it like really uh, like perpetuates the cool kind of like super spy espionage, like weird conspiracy theory shit that they had going on where like they tackled a lot of like interesting subjects uh, that you don't uh, end up. You're out of time, but I definitely want to talk right. about that afterwards because that sounds really cool. Okay. <laughs> but, but you're out of time. So. <laughs> yeah, two minutes is too hard, man. <laughs> and the, 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 clo the closing is only one minute. So it's like, it's got to be like, oh, right. Yes. Fast. <laughs> All Give right. So for me, um, despite yes, it's taking forever to go places. As a person who enjoys video games for the more artistic style of everything, I really enjoyed what I brought to the table for that. I really did enjoy the class system that they had going, and felt very Final Fantasy as the storyline was very Final Fantasy uh, driven. So like, I can definitely compare it to all the other ones. And so for me personally, just between that, the fact that I was able to play with my friends and not be in the same room, and for all the nostalgic memories that's why it was my goatee absolutely concise all right and myself well personally i find the backtracking really cool in uh, uh metroid prime like it has such an awesome map that was just recently copied by returnal which is so dope like this 3d map that you can see the best thing about that map is that you can see what doors you can open, have been opened, or and what are locked. So you do know what side areas that you can come back to uh, when you do get upgrades. And there are so many, um, uh, there's so many elevators and stuff that you can find shortcuts to get back to areas quicker. And one of the other cool things about the backtracking is because it like adds to sort of the the loneliness and the horror aspect, like. Um, was really pretty solid in that game, especially when you go to a, a, a broken frigate and you like everything loses power and you get the um, X-ray visor and like all of a sudden you're you're in the darkness getting like harassed by all these space pirates. Um, and then when you come back in backtracking, you see um, sometimes you get locked in a room with a bunch of like Chozo ghosts and it's just like I don't I just really like it. It's really cool. Um, and I ran out of time. <laughs> Oh wow, that one was Done deal. That one was super spicy, guys. I that was that was a blast. I actually don't know who won that because that was. I think everyone had some uh, some really good takes. Uh, I'm really thanks, surprised thanks for, uh, Kingdom Hearts didn't end up on anyone's list. Super surprised. It's too easy of a, tar <laughs> of a target. It's yeah. like oh yeah. yeah, it's like that's exactly why I didn't choose team. it. You have a goddamn key. Why don't you open doors to go to different worlds? You gotta fly a damn ship. Hey, the gummy ship is sick, okay? Like, <laughs> I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna talk gummy ship is awesome. <laughs> yeah. But you got a key for a sword. You just need a door. Well, that's like asking Sora to have two cents, which he clearly doesn't have. Like, that's asking too much. <laughs> I guess so. Um, there was actually one thing that I was... Um, Oh, the biggest thing for me with that, if I had a fight against Final Fantasy XI, was like, at the time, I had dial up internet. So, good luck with me, like, ever playing that <laughs> game at the time. Like, and like, I'm sure that broadband internet wasn't like just everyone had it either, even in the States. Like, I'm sure a few people didn't have it, but like, yes. Yeah, like, hey, mom, can I, can I play some Final Fantasy? It's like, yeah, but I'm expecting a call later on. It's like, I need to use the phone. It's like, oh, okay. 
It's like how could yeah, you get, get, how get could you do a raid boss? A boss battle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm very thankful. I never had that issue, so like I was kind of like privileged in that aspect. Um, yeah. so I was able to play actually on PS2 just fine. Wow. Nice. I get your feeling on that. I played a uh, Fantasy Star Online 2 oh, on yes. the GameCube. I had the whole adapter and like the keyboard, so you could type stuff out on it. Jeez. It like. Yeah, it was like shoddy every once in a while, but it was a really like cool experience to get into that like way back in the day before it was. Yeah, really... it, was just, it was different and it was cool. Like I, I literally just didn't have to leave my house and like pay my way to not leaving my house now. Like it was rad. Yeah, I was like, I was watching yeah um, footage of Splinter Cell. And, yeah, man, that that game, the lighting engine and stuff, that was like so insanely ahead of its time. Like that, that like. Well, not ahead of its time. It was of its time, but it was just really yeah. good and really smart. Like, um, yeah. It, it, but it, yeah, it was weird. The the the, the shooting w was just a little bit weird because I don't know. Like, especially having finite you know ammo. Um, but uh, you're saying that the um, yeah, definitely there was a whole lot of like that hysteria, that sort of like Cold War sort of like. You know, black ops sort of um, theming around it and stuff, and and yeah, that it definitely is really cool. And it's like for a game to have been like, oh, this is a game to compete with Metal Gear Solid, and the fact that it has had a successful run of it is like incredible. Like, because usually it's like, oh, we want to make the this killer. It's like you most of the time it doesn't pan out. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and I mean, I think uh, because, yeah, it, it wanted to be the killer, but it also took so much influence from, you know, Thief and Metal Gear Solid. Um, but yeah, I, I was I was waiting for you guys to, like, maybe bring up the fact that, like, the Xbox version of it uh, had this really horrible checkpoint system. Oh, really? Where, like, you, you could go through most of the mission and then just get caught up on this one dude who just turns around and sees you. And you're like, uh -huh. well, got to repeat another hour of what I just did perfectly. Oh, Whereas uh, the, P the PC version had like a, a great quick save function. So, you know, you could save scum, but mostly it was like just making it way less of a grinding experience. Beautiful. All right. Well, once again, we've got a, a guest. So we get to do one of my favorite segments, which is music history lessons. So, Zach, take us through where you've come from with music. It's a little bit of a mixed bag. Yeah. Uh, so I'll kind of start off with what kind of gets me for music, what I really enjoy. And that's I, I the beat, like the bass part of it and the actual like sound of the music. To be honest, a lot of times I could care less about some of the words that are being said. It's a lot just about how like the sound makes me feel. Um, I think a lot of that actually comes from my dad who liked to play a lot of Celtic music. Yeah, when right. I was growing up. So uh, I had a kind of background in that. And then um, when I was in school, like middle school, I actually started learning how to play an instrument. Um, it's not a fancy instrument like a guitar. I played the tuba. So I got even a little bit more bass going on. Um, but it, it all kind of led to me enjoying lots and lots of different type of types of music. I've gone through phases where I've listened to like kind of depressing emo shit back in high school. I've gone through phases where I was listening to a lot of like college rap. I've gone through like some heavy rap, like some straight up schoolboy Q shit. And um, actually that kind of led to 
my go-to karaoke song, which is uh, oh, Crazy Rap by Afrom, Afroman. Like right. Colt 45 and two zigzags, baby, that's all Hell we yeah. need. <laughs> I, can, I can do the whole song off of memory. Um, we only got the one Afroman song over here. We only got um, Because It Got High came over. That was the only one that... That's that's there. also a fantastic one. Yeah. Um, but the, the kind of music that I tend to keep going back to, because um, I, I like to listen to just kind of chill music. Uh, a lot of Jack Johnson. Um, I like to get in some ones, like one of my new favorite ones, which I recommend to people if you want just something chill, is uh, Forest and Bisquick, which just has some really uh, nice tunes to just kind of hang out and some like, you're sitting on the beach it's just nice and relaxing um but then I, I do go through my periods of other stuff like two days ago i was playing i well we had uh cheyenne my wife's cousin over and we were playing heavy metal for the kids because they found my uh guitar hero guitars and they wanted to rock <laughs> out so playing some uh of mice and men which is actually the nice. only um metal concert i've ever been to Oh really? It was a, yeah, it was a really really fun concert. It was actually a concert for Bring the Horizon, but I we were there for me and my buddy were there for a Mice and Men, and that was a that was a really really fucking awesome time. Did um, you leave before Bring Me the Horizon came on? No, we we, we oh, listened to Bring the Horizon. <laughs> I know, it was good. It just, I definitely like uh, Mice and Men resonated a lot more. Like I liked yeah, yeah. I liked their style a lot better. Um, yeah, like especially like their, their newer like butt rock sort of stuff, which which is like more like that epic rock. Like, mm. Yeah, whereas then, like um, yeah, I don't I don't actually have much of a concert going background. I've only been to like a few here and there. Um, I've been to some weird stuff. Y'all ever heard of Spongle? <laughs> no. It's it's a guy who does like electronic music, but his big thing is he has a giant ass visualizer that he does some really crazy trippy stuff on. And I had some friends back in high in college who uh who wanted to go enjoy that kind of stuff while somewhat under the influence of things. Um but yeah. Visualizer like uh like what windows media player like <laughs> like that to a much more extreme level yeah because um, I, I had some in college who were really into stuff like that so like alt j one of them got me into alt j because of that and i really love their stuff um actually for electronic music i almost ended up going to uh ultra down in miami at one point but then my friend oh, flaked on me at the last minute so I ended up not going because, to be honest, I don't want to go to Miami during a giant music festival all by myself. Just doesn't sound like fun. Um, but another, uh, I guess, suggestion is actually another person I've been to in concert, which I highly suggest him in concert if you ever get a chance. It's a guy named Keller Williams. Um, I'd say it's kind of like a little bit of like crappy music. I don't really know what to do it. He's a one man band, so usually comes with like a huge variety of instruments. I've seen him three times in concert and it's always just a blast because he just gets really goofy and gets really into it um but he's just got some really fun music and it's really fun to watch him like set up the whole like loop that he's playing and to get into the actual songs so nice <laughs> but yeah one thing that's so interesting about alt j is like this like 
sort of indie folk band, I guess you could think of it. Like, I know that um, Mumford and Sons, like, they, they called themselves Doom Folk after their Babel album and stuff, but like, that they got popular off of a song about murder. Like, Breeze Blocks is like a song about murder, and it's like so catchy, but it's like that you like, if you watch the music video or you really listen to the lyrics, it's like, oh. This is not really that great. Like in, in content, it's like this is this, this is like a freaking like death metal song. Like in content, like um, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's cool stuff. You got any wrecks, mate? Uh, yeah, I got I got two. Um, I'll be honest. Mostly, what I've been listening to uh, recently over the last week has been um, the Zombie EP two by Devil Wears Prada, which I've oh been- yeah very much anticipating i i absolutely love the first ep that was them kind of i mean this, they've always been a heavy band but like really going full throttle into just like just weird, heavy heavy shit with also a cool zombie theme which i love zombie shit um <laughs> but yeah this one like like they before they came out with it they were like this is the heaviest music we've ever made but and i do I, at first i didn't agree with that and like more so like the more i listened to it I'm starting to see like no it really is it's just fusing you know kind of the way that the band has progressed over you know like over a decade of them existing uh and, and really like like kind of like in integrating like their new types of sound while also like yeah going back to this crazy root of just brutal heavy shit like there's a <laughs> some of the songs are are just <laughs> a lot i'll just say it's, it's a lot. <laughs> but i love it um so yeah, I, w- I would just say the entire EP I think is a great listen. It's like twenty minutes. Uh, the other one, it's it, it is technically music, but it's also comedy and visual. Uh, but it's Bo Burnham's Inside that just uh, came out like the other day. I've heard so, like, good my stuff favorite, about that. Yeah, favorite comedian ever. I, I've seen him live. Incredible experience. Such a weird character, but yeah, it's it's like watching and listening like just a complete mental breakdown <laughs> over like almost <laughs> two hours it's oh, it's wow. a kind of like harrowing experience but man some of his it's songs that he has in there just like incredible yeah right does he um does he do black comedy often or is he usually straight up comedian like um all, all of his stuff definitely ha- usually has a, a political edge to it and and definitely like a, a kind of introspective uh side uh wh- whether it like you know it's still like a lot of comedy stuff and, and some of it's lighthearted, but yeah it, it's always got this pretty dark tone this is just yeah, like wow. his darkest shit <laughs> yeah wow nice what about yourself kai um I actually wanted to give a big shout out to the Lo-Fi Girl, formerly known as Chilled Cow. Um, It's a lo-fi station for those of you who don't know. Um, It's actually one of my favorite stations I've been listening to since before lo-fi suddenly became like this big hit over here in the States. Um, It's really nice to listen to, to like, you know, study, to actually listen listen to it all day at work today and yesterday so that's the main reason I'm giving it the shout out um and it's also just really nice to go to bed too as well like sometimes just need something to kind of help calm you down while you're relaxing I'll throw them on um and they're really good about citing their work and whose uh work that they are showing and they're always live nice is it on Spotify it's, or it's is on, it on Spotify and YouTube YouTube is where the live uh, streaming is oh cool yeah yeah nice 
Um, I was going to also ask uh, Zach when you were sort of um, sort of talking about like uh, your music and stuff. Are you um, are you an a full album listener, or are you just are you mostly playlist sort of listener? Mainly playlist. Um, yeah. I like I I use YouTube Music for my music, so I kind yeah. of like to do their big playlist. It really cycles through um, a lot of songs, and I usually throw in a couple new things every I time I listen. So it actually helps me like kind of branch out into other like bands into other music, um, which to be honest has made my playlist just a hot like a big montage of random ass shit. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's really enjoyable to listen to because it never kind of stays just the same. Um, I do enjoy albums every once in a while. Uh, it's just not my general kind of go-to. Um, I guess the only like exception to that is music from like shows and stuff like that are based around music. Um, yeah. which I'll give a shout out to a couple of those actually. Like yeah, if you yeah. haven't watched uh, Metalocalypse, oh, yeah. go watch some Death Clock. Hell That's yeah. just fucking awesome. It's ridiculous, and the heavy <laughs> speed metal is so good. <laughs> and then if you're a little more chill tone, I feel like one that not many people have actually um, got ponied up and watched is uh, Carol and Tuesday on Netflix. The music, is, it's its a show all about music, and it's just so, so well done. Um, can I go back to like the chill music that I listen to? Like, I played that, I let my kids watch it, and they, my daughter asked for songs from that show, like, every day. So. Wow. Uh, so is it a, a narrative show or is it a documentary or it's an actually it's an anime. It's an anime. Um, yeah, wow. it's an anime about like they've colonized Mars and um just some Oh, they just rang my doorbell. I have to go get my kids <laughs> in. But yeah, they are making music on Mars and it's like a lot of it's made by AI, but then this group Carol and Tuesday come out and they're actually writing their own songs. So nice. give me one second, right. I got my kids. All right, no worries. <laughs> Um, well, mine definitely, uh, definitely want to shout out one song that, uh, um, oh, like uh, one band that's been coming up, uh, a lot for my, for myself. And that's, uh, Spirit Box. It's another, um, Hell yeah. uh, sort of genty, um, uh, but also harmonic band that, um, popped up on TikTok a while, a while back for me, um, with, um, this absolutely awesome like solo by the uh the lead vocalist um uh her name's something laplante i can't remember her first name but um she's the band it, it's it's very um i guess you could say it has roots in like evanescence but it's obviously a lot heavier it's a lot more metalcore um and gent but her vocals her clean vocals are very um operatic um very breathy uh so sometimes i don't really like that especially if it's like all song long i like i love my duality in vocals i love like you know when when i talk about like you know the it coming from like evanescence and stuff like you know amy lee just has that one of my favorite vocalists of all time she just has that good dynamism from like you know beautiful cleans to to having that sort of rock vocals whereas whereas uh in spirit box she actually goes full like full proper uh uh metalcore screams and she's got still such an amazing uh vocal range in her screams uh and also i can still notice the the feminism in in the in the screams like uh uh, there's a band called ginger and she also um does like brutal death metal like um screams but it's 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 so it's more indiscernible for me whereas like 
she still has like a really good flow and and just really really um strong performances and yeah the song uh definitely to check out is one of the their newer um cuts which is circle with me it just has really really good hooks and also like yeah some really cool like screaming uh sections as well um they're just really good to both rock out to and also chill out to because it has that that um that duality uh part of it so like i you know it's um it's an every time food for me. <laughs> I can play it whenever. And it's just like so nice when it comes on. Um, follow up to that. I was thinking about, I don't know how it came up in my brain. Cause it's just how my brain works. But I was thinking about one of my favorite songs and most bombastic songs to play in the car with my wife. Um, because it's so um, like a th- it's like a theater song almost. And it's across the night by Silverchair from their, uh, uh, diorama album that album is an absolute absolute stone cold classic and it's it's this r- rock opera with like you know a big band in the background and st- sort of stuff and it's just like across the night it's 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 just one of those you know queen style epics where it just goes and goes and 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 swells and, and like and goes it, you know ha- has has a heap of different stages and just it's so easy to sing along to like my wife and I just love singing in the car. Um, so yeah, that song is just absolutely, it's great. It's, it's so good. Mm-hmm. And then for, I always, I always do my obligatory Oz hip hop, uh, recommendation. And that one is from probably my favorite group, uh, in Australia, Bliss and Esso, uh, field of dreams. This is from their third, uh record uh which was actually when i found out about them so the music to be like oh sorry the the vocals to be on top of the music i know like some you know some people do it you know well like it's funny like you know even you know one of the most biggest artists in the world michael jackson like he harmonizes his his vocals a lot with the music and so like it is actually harder to listen to some of his songs because he is right there on on the um on the same like wavelength but um, yeah, uh, definitely worth checking out. She's just got freaking cool range. Yeah, I actually yeah, also sure. wanted to touch base with the uh, Metalocalypse comment that was made earlier. Uh, not only is yeah. it a phenomenal show, um, but <laughs> I don't know if it was mentioned, but for the people who don't know, Metalocalypse is not actually what the band is called. That is the name of the show. The band is actually called Death Clock. Uh, so if you look them up online, we'll have links to them too. Um, that's how you're going to actually find them uh, with any of your online searching. If you search Metalocalypse, you will get the show. I recommend watching that because uh, one of the cool things that one of my uh, old friends taught me a while ago, and it's been one of the things that stuck with me every time I rewatch it, is uh, when they were animating the show, they actually were animating the guys actually playing the instruments to the correct fretting. So the next time you're watching it, definitely watch for them just playing their instruments like in animation. Correctly. Yeah, yeah it's it's so cool. I it's such a great band. Nice. Yeah, um, I mean, not only that, it it was one artist who wrote all the music. Yeah, he wrote every it, single instrument, and like when they go tour, like obviously hired other people, but it I've was heard one main dude, and like yeah, yeah, I, I I could be wrong, but I do I remember hearing about like him writing a certain baseline that he didn't want to use a pick for. So he developed like this, like almost like galloping technique, but like holding like your, your uh, index and like middle finger together and like strumming, like where he like kind of like developed an entirely new technique just for this song that he like made. 
incredible artist. Uh, for Thunder um, Horse? I'm just curious. You said galloping. I have to know. Is it for Thunder Horse? I'm pretty sure, yeah. <laughs> um, with, uh, off of that, when was um, when did ad- Adult Swim like air like in the states like at like time wise? Because like for me, it'd be like I'd just like turn on a particular station and it'd be like ten o'clock at night or whatever, and, and yeah, like you know, Space Ghost or, or like you know, freaking um. Or metal metalocalypse or whatever would be just randomly on and like oh cool like I'm just gonna sit down and watch this. Um, in the states, I think it came on be about nine to ten p.m. Maybe yeah. eight. I it's kind of yeah. pushing it a little early. <laughs> yeah, they try to push it later just because. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it's it was not a, it's part of like the adult time. They would always start it off with like, like nine thirty. Yeah, like they would start off with like super, morning. super like chill stuff. So like they would do like what King of the Hill or something along the lines of that. They would just do super like mundane, typical comedy stuff, and towards the midnight hours when it would go into like Robot Chicken, yeah. uh, Space Ghost, Aqua Teen, you know that kind of stuff. Yeah, Mr. Pickles. You know, I actually did not care for that show. <laughs> That's fine. It's not for everybody. It's really not for anybody. <laughs> yeah, mo- most of those shows, like, I only got in Canada kind of, like, bastardized into, like, different channels we had up here. Because we didn't yeah. have adult, adult Swim. So it Someone... usually came, like, years after those shows came out. It would, like, sneak into one of our networks, like, but only one of them. So, yeah, it was yeah. mostly, like, kind of illegally downloading those shows. I feel like I had I either bought, you know, downloaded or saw on YouTube most of the Robot Chicken stuff. Like it did eventually come on, yeah, on, onto the TV, but it was like way, way later as well. Yeah. Um, sweet as so, we've got a few things popping up uh, <laughs> over the last uh, week. So might as well get into a hot topic. Does anyone have one to throw out there? Otherwise, we've got a really spicy one from uh, from Wes. No? All right. So Wes has got uh, a, a question for our hot topic, which is I'd love to get the panelists to weigh in on the latest drama circling the interwebs about the facial model for Aloy in Horizon Forbidden West. Essentially, a lot of people are claiming that Aloy likes, looks like she's gained weight and looks too masculine compared to her previous model in Horizon Zero Dawn. Why do you think gamers are so overtly critical about such seemingly uh, such a seemingly insignificant issue regarding character appearance in games? Are these kinds of criticism even valid in your opinion? Ooh, it's hard. It's a it's a tough one. Do you wanna do you wanna kick it off, uh, Tristan? Sure. Yeah, <laughs> I would say uh, those <laughs> those uh, topics. Like, it's just it's completely unnecessary. It's <laughs> it's such an absolutely like ridiculously childish way of of thinking about games. Like, I guess you you could maybe come up with arguments on like why a character shouldn't look the way they are based on you know the environment like the kind of world they live in like the kind of you know activities they do I guess right um, but yeah it, specifically they they love to kind of screenshot like one specific view of Aloy which oh, was like a cool. very kind of like close up and like kind of wider lens ish like view of her which like yeah. I I guess would accentuate certain features being like oh man more like roundish and um, she's also pouting at the time she's like emoting in a way that we haven't even seen before like how her yeah. eyebrows were like you know 
crinkled and stuff. Like she was, that screenshot was showing how far the technology has come in a in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sorry. I mean, like you, you can even take a, a look at uh, the way that her ear is shaped from the PS4 to this game, where it's like it is completely reworked, but like with such a like intense more amount of detail to it, like in a way more realistic and like. She obviously has, like, very, like, I would say, like, Celtic features generally as, like, one would. Um, so, yeah, it just seems completely ridiculous. It, it is funny, obviously, looking at the initial tweet that sparked that and kind of went, you know, semi-viral of this dude being like, oh, you know, hashtag my two cents, this is what I think. I, I just love, I loved clicking on that hashtag and seeing everybody, like, go through and, like, replace, you know, this, like, ridiculously overly unrealistic feminine face but on top of like a nemesis from resident evil like <laughs> that was like probably the most entertaining aspect of this <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> so um one of the biggest things where it's just like yeah this is obviously a non-issue this is this is fucking bullshit um is you know Capcom have never said boo about why they changed Chris Redfield's model, other than obviously as they got into Resident Evil 7, they're like, we kind of want to have a face model. It's no longer we're just drawing it, you know, 3D modeling it. We're... And that's the thing with technology is like they're using face models. And as they explained with Spider-Man, whether or not you want to believe it and all that sort of stuff about them updating the face model for the PS5 and stuff so that it could animate better and stuff with the better technology. And that's just, like, a thing that happens. And Chris Redfield's face has changed every single game other than, like, between 5 and 6, maybe. Even 5 and 6, like, it's, it, it, like yeah, it's time has passed. But, like, it, otherwise it's, like, 1, remake, 5, uh, 7, and 8 all look different. And no one says boo about that because, oh, you know, oh no, Aloy's fat because I'm just, you know, I'm just a keyboard warrior and freaking everyone's SJW and all this bullshit. And it's like, uh, no, it's just, she has a lot more detail. And again, you're, you're taking one screenshot to make a point and uh, yeah, oh, it's fucking stupid. Yeah. I I'm like almost impressed at, uh, the ability to think that way. Because when I was watching that reveal, I was like, this game looks so good. Like, yeah. so ridiculously good. Like, I was just blown away, like, looking at the environments and all the different models and stuff. Like, I feel no part like... of me that was like, why should look bigger? Though? My my yeah. only issue with that game, and the, I was watching on my phone, and it's like, I feel like I'm going to have sensory overload because we haven't seen this much color in a game. Like, the amount of vegetation, it was like... It's, it's, it's like there's so much there's like because they've just gone like detail 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 and i'm like i don't know if my brain is going to be able to like handle like all of, like i'm you know on my buddy 4k tv and stuff it's gonna like hurt my eyes it's so, it sure so... yeah I, I i watched it the exact same way like on my phone with youtube compression being yeah. like it still blew me away so yeah, yeah i was thinking like holy hell like getting this game in person on my 4k tv like i don't even know yeah. it's gonna be insane and like the hair was looking absolutely amazing, and that's the thing. Like I, like I remember when I played Horizon Zero Dawn. I'm like, this is the best video game hair has ever looked. So they, it looks like they put in like 
thousands of hours just on her hair model alone like and this one has gone even more even better and like when she goes into the water and it gets that buoyancy and all that sort of stuff like looks absolutely insane like they're the things that i noticed in the trailer i did not notice her fucking face model (laughs) sure but i mean like maybe that's the uh difference ground of people that play video game characters because fuck them or they want to like yeah Yeah. Like, there's a clear division that's shown, like, a lot of people think one way, I guess. Uh, about a bit of Crazy Week, I haven't actually had a chance to watch it, but I have seen the tweet about it. And it just feels like almost the same crap that we went through with Abby's arms from The Last of Us 2. Like, for one, what you're, like, for these people, what your perspective of beauty is may not be the perspective of everybody else. And you can't push that on everyone. Also, like... You said they're making like you said it looks more realistic. That's a good thing. That's a step forward. Like we have almost gotten to the point in video games where it is hard to tell the difference oh, between the uncanny valley is getting crazy. It's 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 really really good. And to be honest, like it it makes sense if she is like if she has maybe gotten out because she to guess I haven't finished the act of the first game, but. I assume by the end of it, like, there's a big society, something comes together, and she's, like, everything's kind of going well. Um, she, she gets, she like, might... she gets to the horizon at the end of the game. <laughs> the horizon. Yeah. She might have found, like, a good source of food. Who knows? And that's fine. It is perfectly fine for her to look that way. And they just, I mean, as my mom always said, if you ain't got nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. Because it up. is just bullshit. Well, uh. it kind of just, like, it sucks because um, one of the things I've been talking about heavily with a lot of my friends recently is a lot of the backlash that the gaming community has currently been getting uh, because of the toxicity, and this just kind of adds to it. Like, they're literally nitpicking, like, not even the game itself. They're nitpicking a character model, which in return is technically body shaming, like, it's 2021. We should be so past that. Who the fuck cares what these guys look like? You're not the one creating the game. You're not the one creating this universe. You don't know how much time has passed. Like, and you're just body shaming at the end of the day. Like, that, do- that does nothing for anyone. In fact, that just, it makes us look bad as, like, a community. It li- makes us look bad as an industry. It just... Who wants to be a part of something where if you're going to change in the slightest, you're going to be condemned and you're going to be ostracized. Like, it's just, it's toxic. We don't need it anymore. We're we're so past that. Like, why? And, like, the, the thing is, like, obviously, we all are rational human beings. <laughs> so, like, that's not, the hardest thing is like that. Um, it's, it's sad to think... And like, obviously, correct correct me if I'm wrong. If you can think about it, it's sad to think that it took until 2020 for there to be a different character model for a woman, like with Abby, like because every single woman is athletic, you know. Or if if they're slightly heavier, they'll they'll still be very smooth in, in if they're more heavy set. It's like only if you play RPGs and you mess around with the character creator can you make, you know, an, a, a differently shaped person. It's like, um, 
the so that's the saddest thing and like that's possibly what these incels are getting upset about is that they have been freaking nerd like you know well it's because they were given a corporate structured beauty standard and that's all they know and and just unfortunately it makes them ignorant it makes them uneducated yeah i mean also like i guess to that to that point i think uh we get caught up on the vocal minority that exists like kind of in social media spaces that like it does seem like you you would think it's more people i guess than actually exist that way uh, but it's just the, the way that it comes out and like the way that tweets get you know, viral and whatever it's, it's, you know, oh, this opinion blows up and you think there's a lot of support and there is some, of course. Uh, but I mean, the majority of what I saw was just people dunking on this person being yeah. like, this is the stupidest shit, like grow up and move on, man. Yeah. I mean, you know, like I think in, in the end, like video games in the video game industry, they don't really care about that vocal minority it doesn't matter like yeah. they're gonna do what they're gonna do and and i think yeah like companies are definitely moving forward into you know a, a better society of like hey let's include different types of people like more ranges of people more representation yeah i think that's where we're going and there will I, be I people so. against it but not not a and, lot and that's the thing it's like it is it is hard because it's like you know you, we can make fun of it and say like oh yeah you know gamers like living in their basements and all that sort of stuff and it's like the problem is that it is true that a lot of programmers did grow up that way and so that leads into their art and so we do get this false perspective about what is like you know the norm you know in video games because it's like you know <laughs> We're a bit socially fucking divergent a lot of the time. We're a bit neurodivergent in the video gaming community. So when we... And, and also video games have only been around for, you know, 50 years or whatever. Like, we're still learning. Like, we're getting better. Like, you know, um, and that's why, like, we're, we're getting into the, the, the point of, like, making video games that are as meaningful as, as film and stuff like that. Because, like, we've gone through the growing pains, like, and the best thing is that the longer that people keep making video games, the better they're going to be, the better the, like, the narrative and the commentary of those video games is going to be because it's, you know, educated. Um, and that's, like, all that we can hope for is that, like, this is just the beginning and eventually it's like, oh, like... Who knows? Maybe there'll be video games where we don't have, yeah, normal body types or whatever, or like, you know, the beauty type, body type as the standard. We have whatever it is to tell the story, you know. Um, but as a, a, like, as for the Aloy thing, 100% friggin' bullshit. She's probably like Just a bullshit. size two anyway. Like, she's wearing like. 15 layers of, le like, leather pelts and stuff. I don't know why, like, you're masturbating to that anyway. Like, obviously, if you like leather pelts and stuff, that's cool. Like, no dramas. I'm not going to kink shame you on that stuff. But it's just, like, don't sexualize something that isn't sexual. Like, you know, that's, yeah. I, I that's, that's the toxic problem is that, you know, oh, Kai, you play ga video games. You're a gamer girl. And, like, like when are you, when are you gonna start your OF? Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, 
No, 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 like, no, but like, (laughs) that's literally something I get all the time being a, a, a quote unquote female gamer is like, I get those derogatory remarks all the time. Or I, as soon as I even mention that I play video games, like it's already an automatic assumption of like my sexuality, the kind of games I like to play, what I do on my downtime, you know, that kind of stuff. It's just, it, it gets taken to that extreme before you can even put your two cents in of like where it's coming from, the background for it. And that's another issue is like they're just seeing everything at face value and running for it. They're not taking a step back to educate themselves before they yeah. speak. Biggest thing, educate yourself, 100%. <laughs> All right, that one, that one was, that one was got, got, got pretty, pretty spicy. Does anyone <laughs> have any hot topics that aren't as uh, spicy? Does anyone have anything nice? Anything that's been on their mind? Games that they've been playing that they've been enjoying? Let's maybe like lighten it up for a second. <laughs> I've, I've been playing a lot of MLB The Show, actually. It's been kind of that, nice to get That's too political for us, game. sorry. We don't talk about that sort of stuff. <laughs> I mean, that's fine. You don't have to. But it is all. Look at old like old school arcade games and stuff. It's just yeah. it's enjoyable to get back to something like not super crazy gameplay. It's nice to get back that, to something that's simplistic. Yeah, that was uh, sort of the second the thing that came to my mind today. I um, last night I stayed up till like one a.m., uh, which isn't late for gamer hours anyway. But um, for just yeah, that's uh, a four. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> finishing um, finishing Maneater. Uh, played it on Game Pass. Um, and my hot topic is: you're allowed to enjoy bad games, like, but still be critical of them. Like, I had a blast playing Maneater, and I spent like I don't know twenty hours or something playing it. Um, and did almost everything. Um, I did everything that I wanted to do. Like, but that game is so broken. <laughs> like, it's like hilariously like hard to do what you kind of want to do, which is eat fish and uh, like attack like killer whales and stuff like that. There's no like, there's a sort of like soft lock on system, but it only works when it's camera relative. So then if something swims past you, then you've got to like turn around and then the thing swam past you again. So then you got to turn around and like try and do the whole like rigmarole again and it's like that it, it was it's it's a weird weird game how that camera works because then when i would be using the controls and you're fighting these um like you know pro fishermen or whatever and you got to kill them um and every single time a cutscene would trigger for one of them like because they're like the boss they're like you're building up your like wanted level and then they'll come out every time the cutscene would trigger uh, the camera would get stuck inside of the shark. And so I could see the side of the face of the shark and like a fin and I couldn't control my turning. Uh, I could still attack. I could only like dive down or, or dive up or I could like fast travel away. <laughs> and so I'd like, I'd fast travel away and then um, I'd be stuck inside of the shark and I could just see the inside of its teeth so then I have to quit the game, load it back up, go back, do the boss fight, and hope that the cutscene doesn't trigger that that glitch again, which it happened six times, I think, in the time that I played it. Uh, the game crashed two times. It, and, and yeah, just the, the general, like, uh, camera jank of it anyway was horrible, but I had a blast playing it. Like, but it's like, but it doesn't change the fact that 
it's not an objectively good game. Like I get, I, I, I rated it like a 6.6, .6, like out of 10, like it's my lowest scored game of the year, but I had an absolute blast. And because it's on game pass, it's like, if you've got game pass, it's like, and you want to play something dumb and fun, go for it. But I do not recommend spending money on this game um, because it, it, it is super broken, but it, yeah, I just don't feel like you need to defend things just because you enjoy them. I, I actually played all the way through Man Eater too. That was a, yeah. it was a fun game, but I agree yeah. with you. I wouldn't spend it, money on it. No, uh, no. It's um, I, I said in the like the tweet review that I did, like it's like if you like Goat Simulator, but you want sort of like a story, I guess it that's the sort of game that you're going into. You're going into it knowing that it's dumb fun, like Goat Simulator it is, but it's got a story, so you can just play through it from start to end. Um. But yeah, it's like, but I'm never going to be like, oh, you're wrong for not liking this game. It's like, no, obviously, if you have a problem with any of the issues that I've brought up, then don't play it. <laughs> you know? yeah, exactly. yeah, I mean, well, maybe that's like the uh, like divergent point you could take on, on that stance is like, you don't need to defend it. But like, if someone's like, should I play this? Should I spend money on it? And, uh, I mean, I don't know. Like, I played it for... <laughs> essentially quote unquote free which is great but yeah yeah i feel like that's where people come into like you know the uh, you know the rating score of it i mean what's the metacritic like is it good enough for me to buy and play and it's that's, not necessarily about that all the time that's my biggest issue and like the biggest uh, thing that's come up recently is biomutant it's got it's had very middling scores i've listened to a lot of outlets talking about it at length not in their reviews actually talking about it candidly um, and bringing up their grievances. I've watched gameplay footage of it, and I could see my own issues with it within, like, 10 seconds. Like, the narration, especially, uh, for example. Um, it, um, but then people have just been going, oh, you know, this is why I don't listen to reviews, and this game is great. It's like, if, if you're trying to be a positive game spokesperson, doesn't matter how big your audience or small your audience is, try to give people an informed decision like just telling like telling them to rally around you because you're the you know the the cool gamer dude isn't helpful to those people it's like tell them what works in the game tell them what doesn't work in the game and then like let them decide don't tell them don't listen to the metacritic scores because that's not that's not helpful like and if a game gets insanely middling scores and you're still interested in the game read the reviews read the top review read the bottom review find what the common ground is and find out if that's an issue for you like because everyone has different gripes in video games uh, i hate it when like the talk button is also um like a, an action button that does a different like your function like jumping and all such like some games have that where it's like the jump button is also the talk button and then you'll like walk up to someone and jump in and, and you want to talk to them or you know just stupid shit like that like is just a just a small gripe but it's like if those kind of little things build then it's like okay this game isn't for me but you need to inform yourself so saying don't listen to reviewers isn't isn't the way to go it's like find the common ground in a few reviews, if you're interested in a game, but you're not sure if you're willing to spend the money on it, 
get as informed as you can before you take the plunge. Like I personally haven't bought that many new games this year. I put I bought Pokemon Snap. I've got money in, in the bank this week because I paid all my bills and shit like that. I haven't bought Resident Evil 8 because I'm just like, the hype cycle is finished, which is, you know, for me, which, so it's like, cool. I'm outside of the zeitgeist. I can actually wait for that first sale. I'm good because I love Resident Evil, but I can wait. It, I'm, I'm, I'm luckily, I'm not stung by the hype. Like I was a couple weeks ago, but I didn't have money. And so like, luckily I was able to just wait it out. Yeah, you know. like a, a game that kind of goes along the same thing as when we actually talked about a little before, and that's uh, Cyberpunk, because yeah. it got a ton of bad press right off the bat. Um, I mean, some things were deserved, but to be honest, that game has so much that you can do and just have a blast with. Um, and I got through my first playthrough, and I took that one kind of seriously, and I ended up starting a second one because I just wanted to be like, let's break this game, let's see how stupid this can get, and so I'm doing like. I haven't played it in a minute, but I was doing a fists-only run where the only thing I'm doing is punching things to death. And it is hysterical and just a huge blast all at the same time. And yeah. the scores just... They don't always do a game justice. Um, it's its not something you need to listen to. You should be able to perform your own analysis of a game and say, oh, I'd probably like that. Yeah. And be able to check it out. And that's the thing. Like, open world games have glitches. Like, that's just a thing. Like, I I, I I feel like I brought it up. Like, I remember booting up Red Dead Redemption 1 for the first time and be like, oh, my God. This is, like, the most amazing video game I've ever played in my life. Oh, there's a deer flying through the sky. <laughs> it was just, like, my, my, like, wonder was so huge. And then, like bubble burst like within like one second of playing that game like it was it was very funny but that doesn't detract from how good i like how much i enjoyed that game and so like if you're into cyberpunk aesthetics and you and you want to have like a you know um like a cool like narrative rpg experience it's like yeah this game is probably for you whether or not you get the bugs or not won't color it as badly as if you're not as into the particular narrative like you have to be into the idea of the game before you're going to be like don't wa even worry about the mechanics of the game be into the idea first um but um yeah like you you played on pc for cyberpunk yeah i played yeah, it on so, pc so obviously that was a lot more stable but kai you said you played <laughs> it on playstation yeah i actually I, mean, I played it on one of like the first edition playstation models wow. so like I've been, I've been old old playstation 4 but like yeah. i had um like i obviously had my issues but like nowhere near as much as what everyone else who was playing on ps4 was having i was able to go through the game like it would crash every now and then but nothing like game breaking nothing that would just like make it so i can complete the game it was still very like straightforward it was thorough i was able to do everything i needed to so for me like everyone was hating it but i was still telling all my friends you should play it this is fun but <laughs> yeah um it and that, that one it, win. it yeah. is a weird edge case because they had so much trouble with that launch and they they had so many bugs and because some of them were system based and some of them were like their whole like you know uh i guess freaking ecosystem based like they didn't know what to fix and what you know was like was those edge cases of like oh you know in 
like Red Dead Redemption 2, I remember like going to like some guys were trying to crack a safe and the safe was just like floating there in the air. And because it was floating there in the air and not on an object, then I couldn't open it myself because it wasn't like properly in the environment and stuff like that. But like, that's like, was such a subtle thing. Whereas like, I know that a lot of people had like big issues with, um, with cyberpunk. Yeah. So, um, um I, my roommate and I, uh, we actually got it at the same time. Cause I was like, uh, early Christmas gift for them and myself. I got it for us at the same time. We started playing at the same time, but they had the Xbox one version. Yeah. And I had the PS4 version, but they literally couldn't play or finish the game because the, um, what's the mechanic for, uh, hacking into shit. It, it's gone. They straight up cannot hack into anything. They can't upgrade any of their perks. Like, the menu option is gone. They have yeah. not been able to play it since, like, maybe a month into the game coming out. So, like, and that's, like, the biggest, like, thing is, like, it, like you said, it just kind of depends on how you're playing it and if you got the luck of the draw. Yeah. So, and then that's the thing. It's, like, you know, because they're a, a publicly traded company, um, they had to release that game. And unfortunately for them, they've got a lot of uh, a lot of work to do to to rebuild their um their renown. Like they had, they were riding so high off of 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 Witcher Three that like they were being seen as one of the premier prestige like publishers. And now they've got a lot of work to do. They've got that No Man's Sky job of of making sure that this game is is solid. Like you still can't buy. You can't buy it digitally on PlayStation for whatever reason, whatever's going on in the background, whether they're saying, no, we're going to have this like 2.0 patch. I don't even know what they're up to. I have no idea. I've not like watched anything about that game um, and it's post-development side, but like, you know, that's, that's the, the thing. It's like, if you're one of those people as well, that's keeps saying like, Oh, you know, oh, it's bullshit that this game got freaking pushed and stuff. It's like, well, Hopefully that means it's going to come out and it's not going to be broken. Like delays are good for the consumer, even if oh I pre-ordered that game when it first got revealed. It's like first of all, don't don't pre-order a game when it first gets revealed. If someone like I remember walking into um into uh you know a big store in 2017 and seeing the Metroid Prime Four pre-orders <laughs> were ready to go. And if you fucking pre-ordered Metro Prime 4, I feel sorry. I don't feel sorry for you, really. That was a really dumb decision. It's like, yeah, wait. Wait until it's, like, actually, you know, ready to release. Um, but, did yeah, I, that... To diverge from that, we've talked about games that have, like, kind of glitchy issues for, like, your hot topic. What about games, say, like, Kingdom Hearts 3? <laughs> That just have like <laughs> fan service issues. It's like you and didn't then, give me any. And then the game, and then a game that just straight up didn't deliver. Yeah. So oh, that would be one of those games where, like, some people who gotta, just gotta, want a simple game, they would give it the really high reviews, but then you get those those fans out there who've been there from the get go and know the entire story, know what they can deliver, what they I have don't think given anyone, us. I don't think anyone knows the entire story. Sorry. Did, no, yeah. There's someone out there. <laughs> Constantly updating the Wikipedia page. Yeah. And then going, wait, does that does that does that negate something that I re wrote previously, or is that like is something non-canon now that I wrote that? <laughs> um, the linear, or yeah. timeline. 
Unfortunately, yeah. When it, when a game comes out and it's a disappointment, that's uh that's one for couples counseling. But yeah. But like it, the... it gives a whole another tone though, because you usually like because when we run into people with those kind of backlash issues, you always hear more of a uh F you when it comes to like just mechanics just being blown, uh just not being able to deliver on like fighting or just having your game load for you but then when it comes to like us like or them just sitting there and hounding out like this is going to be the game you've all been waiting for i know like you guys have been waiting forever for this and then they deliver it and it's empty and there's nothing like yeah there was backlash but it wasn't as bad as say like some of the other titles i've heard out there like mm -hmm. the game was beautiful but all the maps were so small the gameplay was so linear like there, you're paying out the ass for a game where you had to purchase other things just to finish it. It's like, at that point, can you just call yourself EA? Please? Well, no. <laughs> I, I, and, that's, and that's coming from someone that bought the all-for-one all package. Like, I, this is one of the few games I pre-ordered. I've pre-ordered, like, I think only, like, three or four games in my life. This is one of the ones, and I just didn't play it because I was just, like, I started playing it. I was like, I don't think I like these controls anymore. Like, and it's it's really funny when you, like, play something that's old and you go, oh, this is fine. But then when it's new and it's still got the same control control scheme, Red Dead Redemption 2 has the same control scheme, well, other than it's got extra functions, as Red Dead 1. But it's just bad because we expect to have a better control scheme. Same with Kingdom Hearts 3. I was like, I just wish it felt, all the buttons felt like they were in the right spot because they just they never felt like they're in the right spot even though they're the exact same as one and two it just doesn't feel right for a modern game um but unfortunately kingdom Hearts 3 it's a it's a it's a well-made game and it's it, it, like it plays well it looks great it's just the fact that you know they were saying that you know oh we're gonna pay off you know these things which they never did that that's that's the only disappointment and it's like yeah they removed all the the final fantasy characters and they removed 90 percent of the disney stuff and only put pixar in which is smart from a marketing perspective because they're like trying to sell it to kids um you know again it's like it's it's weird when you've got a game called kingdom hearts 3 but they did re-release and repackage all the other games but um to just you know change so quickly and the problem is because Every adult loves the Pixar games, so they got this false impression that you would love it to play all of the Pixar levels. But it's like, man, Steamboat Willie, like, that's, like, the greatest level in Kingdom Hearts. Like, and it's not anything from our lifetimes, but it's something so visually different and distinct. Like, obviously, like, in the first game, you didn't get to change the your character model that much. So when you went to Halloween Town, it was just like, this is so freaking cool, like, looking different, um, whereas it was just, like, it felt too safe uh, going to, you know, all the Pixar things, because it was like, oh, this is marketable and sellable to kids, because, like, you know, I gave it to my son, and he's like, oh, cool, I get to be in, like, you know, the Frozen level, and Frozen was his favourite film at the time. Um, so, yeah, he, he, you know, he loved playing the little, the little bit that he played, um, 
but yeah, I I personally was just checked out. Like it wasn't um, a challenge. There, it just it didn't feel like Kingdom Hearts. Ultimately, like then that's my biggest complaint. I spent boohoo bucks on three because it's one of my favorite series. But it just it did not feel like Kingdom Hearts. It did not feel like the company or the game that they had grown us to love like it's just not what we had been expecting it's not what they had been promising well I, I think they went so they made it so much they actually made it so kingdom hearts like the bad paced acting and all of the the no editing in those acting sequences where there's heaps of dead air they made it so much like one and two that they didn't in instead like you know like god of war 2018 they didn't go what is god of war today what how can we interest you today because if you did a 2007 era hack and slash game everyone would go that's just more god of war and we'll give it a seven out of ten and walk away um so that's what i think we we, we the th problem is the cgi cutscenes build up our hype in our mind like when you see like the keyblade war of uh what, what was it? birth by sleep on the psp and stuff like i remember a mate showing me that that video of that like battlefield and it's all blades and stuff all in the ground it's like oh my god this is amazing this is gonna be like the most epic stuff when kingdom hearts 3 comes out and it's like it's about friendship and love and we're just like oh it's it's the pokemon situation it's still just pokemon like it's never gonna be not pokemon it's never gonna be what we want it to be it's just gonna be fucking pokemon you know yeah uh, uh, this i just feel like this should make it harder than easier <laughs> don't backpedal but this comes around to something I feel like is kind of an issue that has been brought up, and that's just comp developers just basically recycling and not um, bringing anything new to the table when they come out with a new game. I mean, yeah. you brought God of War, that was a great reimagining. So was Spider-Man. But, like, yeah, I, I feel like I'm probably one of the few people in the Discord who actually plays sports games, has played a good history of sports games. I don't even buy them anymore. Because no. they... The big companies just, they don't actually do anything to those games. If they just you, know that they can make money off of them. If you buy one every five years, you'll get a different experience, like slightly. But like, it's it's also funny. Uh, like I, I used to play a bit of like uh, NBA 2K and stuff. And it's just like, they have a good idea one year and then they'd scrap it the next year. And that would be the main difference. And it's like, oh yeah, because we did more of the, you know, FIFA Ultimate Team bullshit that you know, we'll make us money. We took out the really cool, like all the endorsement deals and the fan surveys and stuff in the, in the, my career, which is like the part that I play, the fun part, like of making your own character and stuff. And yeah, some years it'll be completely bare bones. It's like you play the game, you get stats, you level up and that's it. And other years it's like, you know, you're making your own set of Jordans and you're freaking doing this, that and the other. And it's like, it, it, it's so funny. Like, they can have a good idea, but then they go, well, but that actually didn't actually make us any money. So let's find the way to make us more money. And that's the unfortunate thing with the sports games. Whatever. And some other ones too. Like I haven't, I haven't bought a COD game in years for the exact same reason. Um, and well, now you don't have to, cause you can just get Warzone for free. So you can get Warzone and take up what five hundred gigabytes, like your entire <laughs> PlayStation Five memory. It's another thing that's just getting ridiculous is some of the size of the games. Like some games, I don't know how they fit, how much they fit into a game is like small. Like Monster Hunter World was like a twenty gigabyte game. 
and it was originally massive. It was full of stuff. And then you get to like just I we're going to Warzone, a simple Warzone update is like 120 gigabytes just yeah. for an update. I do zero compression like on their like files and stuff. It's it's weird. Like I don't know exactly why it is. It could be because of like I don't, I, I I really don't know if it has anything to do with like ultra settings and all that sort of stuff, but it it's it's weird that no one else has that issue of like being like, oh, we're now into the 300 plus range. You know, it's like, yeah, I understand like Red Dead Redemption 2. That was like understandable. It's like, look at this game. You understand why it was over 100 gig. Like that made sense or Final Fantasy 7 or whatever. Like those games that are like, you know, hitting, hitting up to those hundred, the 100. But like the fact that like Warzone or whatever comes out at 100 and then it's like, yeah, but then just add 50 every two months or whatever it is. <laughs> Pretty insane. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess it's weird, like, with something like Warzone, because that feels like one of those games that there are gamers that that's just the game they play. Mm. Like, their PlayStation is just, you know, Warzone and then maybe FIFA or something, which is totally fine. But, yeah, I, I feel like it's, I don't know, like, uh, yeah, they're, like PS5 is an interesting one where, like, there's a lot of tools, like, I guess, uh, kind of interlinked with the SSD where like developers can actually shrink the size of their game because like the way that it can streamline loading and like I know Subnautica was one of them that like they significantly compressed that game to a smaller uh, and maybe with stuff like Warzone because it is so multi-platform that they're kind of like hey you know what just put it out <laughs> like don't don't be considered about compression yeah people complain about it but it's like but it's still That's on funny. their system so yeah. <laughs> they're still updating it they're still playing it the fact that uh, I still can't believe, like, it just blows my mind that uh, one thing, you know, nice, nice positive turn for CD Projekt um, is to say, like, that they fit the entirety of The Witcher 3 with all the DLC onto a Switch cart. Like, they were, and they they were like, no, you do not have to download, like, anything. Like, now they've got patches and stuff for stability and a bit of visuals and stuff like that. Um, so it's probably bumped up a bit, but like the fact that they got it onto onto a cart is just absolutely insane. Like, so it is interesting that some some companies go do the work and others just don't. And like, yeah, sport titles and and yeah, COD especially, just they don't like care. They're just like, yep, nah, it's freaking hundred gig, you know. Because uh, I have a couple of the NBA games on my Switch, and it's always like, if you buy the cart, it's like this would be like a. 10 gig cart and then it's like you got to download 60 gigs of additional like data or whatever it is um but yeah that it's um sorry do y'all, do y'all think that like some of these game devs are just getting corrupt at this point and just kind of too big for their own britches i don't know it's a that's well they're there to make money so it's it, 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 even the best even the best companies are there to make money you know it's um yeah if if they're doing it for the love their games would be on itch.io which are the you know games that you can pay whatever you want to pay for them like those people are, are learning how to how to develop games and they're so they're putting out their student games for you know for free or for whatever people want to help contribute to them to to their journey but eventually even those people want to monetize their you know their experience you know um yeah sure so. i i think that's a, a pretty big uh, I don't know, assumption on certain devs i think on the on the dev side it's probably way less of that 
and more oh, on yeah. the production the side. side like, yeah. Know, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. The publishers are the ones really making those calls, right? Whereas devs yeah. would like much rather, you know, make a like, you know, something from their heart, things mm-hmm. that, you know, they're ranking in hours and hours, right? Yeah. Like, and hopefully passionate, sometimes yeah. obviously disimpassioned by, you know, depending on what company they work for. Um, but yeah, I think stuff like Call of Duty, you know, FIFA's the big sports games, it's more like, okay, what's the bottom line? Like, what do we mm-hmm. have to do? to crank this out and continue to make, you know, gangbuster money. Yeah. Where, but the, the, maybe the thing it's is less about the money. Passion they, like most games do need to either make their money back though. Like, like even EA does a really like the, the fact that they, they've only done a few, but the EA originals and stuff like they're there to make them look good. They're not there to make money. Like, um, and it is, it's nice that they are publishing these smaller games for these devs and stuff because it means that they get to put out their vision that they have like worked, worked their asses off on. Um, and it isn't about the money. Um, but like, I remember it was on a previous, uh, GGD podcast and we're looking up retro and they had so many canceled projects on the, um, on the GameCube. Um, and it's just that thing of like, yes, passion is super important, obviously for ideas and stuff, but marketability is un- the unfortunate other side of it. And it's like, so if you get to a point in development where it's like, I don't think there's going to be a market for this or this is too risky or we're spending too much money on this, they just cancel it, which blows my mind because it's like, well, if you already spent money on it to start developing it, I don't just see it through to the end. But obviously I'm not an economist, but um, but yeah, it, 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 it is always a hard one to tackle. It's like, why, why do playstation games start to look and feel a little bit similar because they sell that way because that you know and i you know i hope that we see some like smaller stuff from from playstation studios like that's that's a bit different like obviously they just did you know they did dreams and that's been in development for ages so um and at some point uh media molecule are going to make something else and they're going to make something super creative because that's what they do like that's their that's their thing um but yeah i just hope that we do keep to seeing um, creativity from the the AAA space, or even if it's AA from AAA developers. They get the green light too. Yeah. Nice. All right. Um, well, that went everywhere and, no- and nowhere. <laughs> we didn't solve any problems today, but uh, but we had some fun. Um, now we did have a question coming in from our community that we'll get into. Uh, if I can actually find my my spot. Here we go. From uh, Joey Cisco. Uh, he was asking, what is your most notorious fuck this shit moment in games? When you came across a section and thought, fuck this shit. Then you played it for a minute and confirmed, okay, definitely fuck this shit. <laughs> uh, does anyone have a qu- an answer? I got two. Um, yep. First one is... I guess it's pretty easy to go for. It's in Bloodborne when you get to the fight against um, the three, like, witches, mages. I can't remember exactly what they are. And, like, I popped in that and I was like, this looks like a boss area. And then they popped out and immediately wrecked me. And I was like, ugh. And then I, like, played it probably for another hour and a half and could not get anywhere. And I was like, fuck this. <laughs> Booted off my system like just went and like watched something stupid for a couple hours 
and it, that that moment just yeah no fuck that shit that was a, that was a painful moment to try and get through uh my other one's just going back to like sports games when you're getting frustrated over the littlest bullshit ever and you say fuck this shit and turn your game off mid-game so yeah hacks it's obviously hacks <laughs> <laughs> um i definitely had that yeah soulsborne like it's funny because like i feel like as at a, at a core level if you get into the groove you actually become a bit more like calm because you accept that like death is like inevitable but then when all it is is like you know save points right there and the boss fights right there especially in the dlcs and you are just beating your head against the wall for like hours like i am the worst at the Dark Souls 3 DLC, I just cannot beat, like, Sister Freed, um, or whatever her name is, I think it's that, uh, with the, and, it, and she, um, she has her dad come in in the second phase of the fight, and it's just like, I just want time to breathe, and just, just learn, but you won't let me fucking learn this game, <laughs> it's the same with the, um, the, the, the twin princes, like, I always got, like, help, like, on my first playthroughs in, in Dark Souls 3, because I'm just like, just give me one second just to learn your patterns before you kill me. Like, and then, because otherwise I've got to run for about a minute up up the stairs to go fight them again. It was just like, it's the most disheartening thing. <laughs> like, when you just like, I just want to learn something from this run. Like, whereas like, I feel like in, in Super Meat Boy and stuff like that, it's like, yes, it's insanely brutal, but you're right back in the action and you just try it again and you, and eventually you'll learn something. Whereas, like, it, it, I do understand why people don't like the Dark Souls games because it can be so unrelenting, especially if you're not used to that experience. Like, and you're just like, I just want to learn something, <laughs> you know? Yeah, 100. I, th I think Soulsborne as a series, like, definitely fits within this pretty well for a lot of people like <laughs> there's probably a point you've got up to in one of those games where fuck this shit like yeah and like sometimes it's great like i've had that where like you know it'd be late in the morning and trying to get this one boss battle and it's like you know what, fuck it just turn the console off come back the next day though do it first try yeah which is, like feels so good <laughs> yeah sometimes you just gotta rest on it <laughs> having a clear mind is is very important what about yourself yeah. kyle uh, so I actually have these moments more often than not. I don't know if I've ever talked to you guys about how I play video games, but I kind of go into a lot of them pretty blindly and, like, very, uh, naive, uh, which is both good and bad, uh, generally leads into what the fuck, um, a couple of little, uh, spots where I can really notate that is, uh, Final Fantasy thirteen, the last boss on the second disc. I actually had attempted that to the point where I'd maxed everyone out on my team, like, 100%. I couldn't upgrade, like, nothing for them. Um, just to sit there and die, like, six times in a row after, like, being on this boss for, like, a hot second. I said, fuck this shit. I dropped the game for about six to seven months, came back, realized I didn't upgrade my weapons, and that's why I was dying. Uh, like, straight up, like, it's because I didn't upgrade my weapons. I updated, upgraded them. I beat the boss first try. I beat the game. Beat two. Nice. You know, <laughs> fine and dandy. But this happens to me all the time. Um, so... That would be my most notorious moment there. I can't really say too much because then I just talk about every single game I play and we don't want to do that. 
There's always a moment. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's always always a moment where I'm just all like, I don't know. The only the one that I've yet to really come across where I've been able to get past it is with Darksiders three. One of the bosses, I can't remember which one, but it's the one that's kind of like. Uh, like a flower centipede thing it has like a tail vine thing and it just it's all over the fucking map it just swings everywhere it doesn't matter what the fuck i do i die every goddamn time and i haven't played that game since because i'm just stuck on this one boss (laughs) um, especially on the final fantasy 13 one that motherfucker took so (laughs) long (laughs) and it, it actually reminded me of another one that happened to me that actually made me so i didn't finish the game for like another seven years after this and it's gonna be a surprise to y'all at least steven because he knows me a little bit more oh really it was was gonna be a final fantasy 7 one of my favorite games of all time i could not beat sephiroth i tried for like a month when i was like i don't know 12 13 could not do it I could not beat him. He always wrecked my party. I was maxed out level, maxed up, and I didn't know what the hell was going on. And then, like, I come back to the game seven years later and get to him. And it's, like, the second try, and I wipe his like, <laughs> face across the floor. I'm like, what the oh. <laughs> hell? That, that, that was, like, me, me in video games as a kid. Like, I would just go all the way through the game, especially, like, collectathons and stuff, collect everything, get to the end of the game and go, okay, cool, I don't need to beat the final boss because I've done everything. So, like, yeah, I, I, I was, like, definitely in that boat of not actually technically beating games, like, until, like, I was an adult, really, just because I just didn't feel like I needed to, or, like, it was just, like, I'm going to get frustrated at this boss or whatever, and it's just, I don't need to. Um, yeah. yeah. I've definitely personally had some weird just, like, absolutely fuck this shit moments uh one would definitely be assassin's creed one i uh was very much into achievement hunting and stuff so i was like i'm gonna collect all these feathers and i had a map and i was crossing them off as i went through it and i got to the last one or so i thought was the last one and collected it and was like yeah you have 99 out of 100 but i had crossed every single one off on the map and was like well, so I just restarted and went through it all again. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that, that was that was a brutal one. Um, uh, definitely also Mile High Club from Call of Duty 4 on Veteran. Like the like kind of like bonus mission you get at the end. Of, like it's so brutally hard. You have to rush through this plane and rescue this hostage. And it was specifically my friend told me like, yeah, like once you get to the point where the hostage is there, like it's a checkpoint. So I was like, cool. And like I shot him in the foot. And it was like, oh, yeah, veterans only get headshot and reset me back at the beginning. And I like I the only time I've almost snapped a controller in half. I was so furious. Like, Wow. Yeah. Brutal. Um, and we actually uh, Kai wanted to touch on this one because it, it came from one of our uh, one of our listeners. But now, actually, our guest from last week, and we didn't get to it, <laughs> from Zach Pearson, how spicy is too spicy? Well, we've been dropping the F-bomb, like, non-stop this episode, and I, I already talked about OnlyFans, so... <laughs> For us, I don't know how spicy is too spicy. <laughs> well, it depends. Are you talking about food or other things? Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> <laughs> those are two separate spices, my dude. It's not food, yeah. but it could definitely be, like, what's just... What just is too far? What goes 
way past the limit. Is it yo mama jokes? Because I mean, <laughs> yo mama, so fast. That's, that's the start. That's the start. Um, I chuck sriracha on like everything now. Like I got, it's so weird. It's that whole like if you don't use it, you'll lose it sort of thing. Like when I was in like uni with my wife and stuff, we'd always just chuck chili and stuff in our pasta and like you know, fre- you know, fresh fresh chili, and then just. As we got kids and like we had to have more plainer food and stuff, like I wasn't eating much spicy food. And then like I would have like, you know, a pepperoni pizza with chili on it and stuff. And I'd be like, oh my god, this is so hot! Like, and I'm like, I hadn't been, you know, you. It's so like I just like was like, okay, I need to like when I'm having uh, tortillas and stuff, I'm putting you know sriracha on it, you know, just to make to to bring my mouth up up to the right level, sort of like to be able to handle like spicy food. But I'd say I'm still like spicy white <laughs> which would which would be to say like if i had proper indian food i would, I would probably still like fall over you know <laughs> probably yeah my my spice tolerance is ridiculously high and i yeah. i don't really understand how it got there because growing up never had hot food at all and then like once i started trying it was like yeah to me like there almost is no spicy enough like i've done <laughs> like hot, hot like hot wing challenges with like aggressively hotter sauces and I've never gotten to the point where I like I wanted to tap out. I'm like, yeah, bring it on. I'm, I, I truly, I'm, I'm looking into like getting some of the like six million Scoville hot sauces and trying that because like I want something to like just wreck. They dangerous ones, by the <laughs> Yeah. Nice. Guy. <laughs> so, uh, Stephen, you should actually feel very proud of your spice tolerance because your girl is a bitch. um that being said though i have been getting better as like the years have gone on like i can eat like spicy chicken stuff i can eat jalapeno poppers or jalapenos in general now um yeah other than that no you can't hand me anything spicy like my whole mouth just goes on fire i can't taste it It ruins the dish for me personally um yeah no and no no i will i'll straight up die like uh wasabi is not a thing like i can't even like touch wasabi like if it touches any food that i have like i can't eat anything surrounding it because if i even remotely taste wasabi i i throw up jesus (laughs) i've personally never been that big of a fan of wasabi either it's always like that oh like you know in in a nori roll or whatever it's like oh, oh that's that's there too Thanks. (laughs) Thanks. <laughs> yeah, but no, no, I like to uh, not be bleeding out my asshole the next day. So you guys can definitely keep your spice. Uh... Oh, I love that part though. Like, <laughs> I end up eating spicy food pretty often. Uh, Just for really a flash. Why I asked that question. <laughs> um, so I even feed it to my kids. Which you said you blanded down your food when you had kids, even. Yeah. Nah. Now my kids eat the spicy stuff too. They're right there along with me. And it's always fun for the reaction too, because sometimes they'll run away to grab a cup of water oh, or something no. and just jungle thing. Um but now I go for like I'll go for I'll go for the actual Indian spicy curry every once in a while. Um just try to stick to medium. Uh I've used a lot of hot sauces. Uh one of my favorite things to do in New Orleans. Um because we've gone to Mardi Gras multiple times, and it's a blast. But they have hot sauce bars, which you can go to, 
And you can start at one side on like the no spice level basically and work your way all the way around until you have to sign a waiver to try these some of these hot sauces. And it's just a lot of fun. I've definitely had some that like I just had like a tiny drop of on like a chip and I probably couldn't feel my mouth for like a good 45 minutes. It was like but it was delicious. <laughs> Enjoyed wow. every second. Yeah, I, I, I want to get to the signing of the waiver point. That's where yeah. that's where I'm at. Like I would definitely do that. <laughs> Those, One thing about um, those places too is that they do pralines also. So after you get your spiced up, you can go get a praline and they'll like cool you down a little bit. Um, but one of the things I've really been missing since we moved out to Boise is like Nashville hot fried chicken. And um, it's it's obscenely hot. There was one place in Memphis. It's a little bit of a chain. It's from Nashville. They had some that came over. Uh, they have multiple levels. And I didn't get to the top level. But I got to the second top level, and it goes southern, which is no spice, mild, medium, hot, damn hot, which is what I got to, and that was that was brutal, but so good at the same time. And their final one is just called "Shut the Cluck Up." <laughs> I've seen like two people get that, and they did not finish theirs. Um, I've done one spicy wings challenge in Richmond; those were brutal, but. I don't know. So it's a little bit of like some spice. If it's not there on some things, it's just it's not right. It's got to be got a little heat to it. Just an extra flavor. Beautiful. Well, yeah. I think that does it for us, lads and lady. And yeah, as always, I've been Stephen, Kai, Asana, Tristan. Happy Pride Month. <laughs> Happy Pride Month, indeed. And special guest Zach. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for having me on. Um, if y'all want to find me, I'm at Zierson Zero on Twitter, and you can come check me and my brother out when we're playing games and doing stupid shit. Tend to do Divinity on Tuesdays, and we have our Make Me Mondays, if you want to come see that. Hunter has to play through some anime bullshit, which if you've listened to that episode of The Great Game Debate, you know what we're talking about. And uh, he's been having me play some scary games and uh, shit in my pants. So, but, yeah, thanks for having me on, y'all. So otherwise, yeah, play some video games and educate yourselves. See ya. Later. As always, a big thank you to our friend Mistriven for the music in our podcast. If you like what you hear and you want to check out more of what they have, you can pay them a visit on Twitter at capital M-I-S-T- capital R-I-V-E-N 719, or in Bandcamp at Mistriven. Thanks again for tuning in. Till next time.